Hello, welcome to Inside the Health and Sales Locker Room. I'm your host, Josh Pappas. I am the Director of Sales at Tendo. I work with health systems, helping use technology to drive a more consumer-driven patient experience. I am excited to welcome to the podcast, Dana Lay, who is an excellent um, resource um, and would love for you to introduce yourself and kind of tell people about you. I couldn't do the uh, the intro justice, but she's super interesting. Uh, she is Forbes 30 under 30. Did I get that correct? Um, kind of in the healthcare. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I'm excited to welcome her. Thanks so much, Josh. Uh, thanks for having me on your podcast. Um, yeah, so I'm Dana Lay, and um, I've spent all my career in healthcare innovation. Um, how I first got into it is I built a community ventures program uh, for the city of Austin in conjunction with Dell Medical School to actually um, support anyone who is interested in business and healthcare, build out initiatives that actually um, help further the health of the city of Austin. And that was awesome because I worked with people who had an idea on a piece of paper and actually helped them become uh, the innovators and entrepreneurs that um, I'm, I'm used to now working with. And then um, I went into payment innovation, the payment innovation space and negotiated contracts between insurance companies and health systems to actually think about how we can incentivize. Uh, more value-based care models um, and geared towards um, better outcomes. Um, and then my last role before um, currently starting my company, I was the first hire and part of the founding team of KidsX, which is a, one of the world's leading digital health ecosystems uh, focused on accelerating pediatric innovation. We had a consortium of 40 plus children's hospitals from around the world that were interested in the startups that we brought in. Um, so we brought these startups uh, through the accelerators, the corporate accelerators that we built along with our own personal uh, pediatric focus accelerator. Uh, those accelerators, um, and just taking a step back on what accelerators are, um, it is, a, I define it as kind of like a startup boot camp that can range in program length and curriculum. And it's focused on business development, growth, and scaling. Um, every program is different. Um, it's run differently as well, but it's truly more geared towards helping startups become or helping startups grow. And um, it can, and, and generally uh, accelerators are more focused on companies that are post-revenue and post-product. Doesn't necessarily mean it's always true, but um, that's a lot of the work that I've been doing. So, or I did. So I uh, ran and led um, the first and second AWS US healthcare accelerators, uh, Prescani's first healthcare accelerator, um, worked with the county of Los Angeles, Glendale, um, also worked with different organizations like Elevance Health, Redesign Health to think about different innovation platforms to foster um, new ideas, new initiatives, opportunities to build new companies. And it's super exciting. And um, that all, all really just led me to building my own company. Um, and the company I have founded is called Wander Health. And I, I guess we'll get into that later in the conversation, but uh, just, I guess, a sneak peek. No, awesome. Yeah, we, we sure will, because that's a super exciting journey. Um, and before we go on, you know, very serious, you know, healthcare, solving the world topics, 
Um, although this is an audio medium, I am currently wearing a Texas Longhorn shirt. Um, you know, I, I, li- I lived in Austin. I, I you, what you consider maybe a bandwagon fan, but um, I'm rocking the Longhorn um, right now. But I'm interested to break the ice. If you could have dinner with one UT grad, who would it be? And then I can um, I can maybe share mine, or maybe you've had an amazing dinner with a uh, you know with, with a famous UT grad, even better. Yeah. Um, I, I love the longhorn shirt. I have, you can see there's a little longhorn, um, in a picture frame in the back of my, my screen here. Um, there's like longhorns throughout my like apartment and I live in Los Angeles and people are like, Oh, that's strange. Do you like, longhorns? <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like, yes, uh, it's, it's my mascot from my alma mater. Um, well, I, I really would have loved or still love to have dinner with Michael Dell. So he actually dropped out uh, from UT, but I feel that there's some things that uh, we have in common, such as we both came in as pre-meds um, to UT Austin, and we found that entrepreneurship was a better fit for us. Um, so, and we also went to serve like untapped markets while we were in college. Like I mentioned earlier, I built a co-founded a program that were geared was geared towards people who had an interest in business and healthcare. Uh, and that wasn't a realm that was fully fleshed out as it is now when I was back in college. Um, I mean, granted, Michael Dell also, he sold personalized computer disk drives. Um, and that was pretty cool. Um, but, you know, I think a dinner with him would be pretty incredible because I would love to hear his like his personal stories and triumphs, um, especially since he was or is actually um, one of the youngest CEOs leading uh, a Fortune 500 company. So it's incredible. Like he uh, decided to take a risk on himself, decided to build something that was hasn't been built before, and then ended up being one of like the most well-known uh, leaders of our our time. So yeah, it, w- it would be great to uh, have dinner with him. No, you could definitely tell. And I've had a couple of friends um, and, and just colleagues kind of go through starting Austin kind of with, you know, with, with, with the Dell you know, program and working for them. And that in itself is some world renowned. Um, so, you know, getting any sort of insight with him would be fantastic. I think mine would be less interesting, but I, I, I would always love to go to dinner with Ricky Williams you know, former UT running back. Um, I think that he's obviously a talented running back, uh, but now I listen to a couple of podcasts and he is uh, just a super interesting, you know, kind of just at the height of his, you know, at the height of his NFL stardom, kind of gave it up, traveled around. Um, and, you know, now it's, it's, I listen to a couple of podcasts. And he's, you know, super into, um, you know, kind of, um, you know, be alternative thinking and uh, just seems like a very interesting guy that I would be able to, um, you know, that to me would be the the, per- the perfect dinner party hanging out with Ricky Williams. Yeah. He's also a cool dude too. <laughs> well, good. Well, let's, let's jump in it. We do a segment here and um, you know, you could take this one, whichever way that you, that, that you want to go, but we kind of do a yeah, top 10, bottom 10, um, you know, either sales story from personal experience, or I guess, you know, with, with the kids X, um, you kind of startups that you saw, um, in kind of, you know, the, the, the best, the best and the worst of, um, you know, some of some of those experiences. Yeah. I won't name any names cause I don't want to call anyone out, but, um, exactly. Like, yeah. I, 
yeah, I have, um, I've had plenty of amazing experiences working with startups at, um, so I used to work at Children's Hospital Los Angeles and um, KidsX was born out of that hospital. And I, um, it, it was incredible. I vetted over a thousand different startups, um, got to work with probably like 50 different um, startup founders and teams. And it, it's awesome to see a lot of innovation within the digital health space, within the pediatric space, um, a more like underserved market. And I really enjoyed the startups that were more confident and prepared. Um, they were going to do what they say. They were going to do in a timely manner. They had a dedicated resource or person focus on pushing the project forward. Those were the startups that I felt were more successful. They were stronger because a lot of health systems and hospitals aren't used to working with startups. It's still relatively new, a new mm -hmm. thing. And they're used to working with larger vendors. And so if a startup can walk the talk and be able to showcase that they are, you know, they, they operate very similar to a vendor, but you know, in reality, it might be just like a less than 10 person team that, that truly is going to show that they are able to execute on what they say that they're going to do. Um, so I, I really like, I really like that experience or those experiences. And then in terms of like the most difficult experience by bottom 10, um, working at a hospital, it was hard to find funding to support startups. Like I mentioned earlier, hospitals are still newer to working directly with startups. So they, all their processes are more geared towards vendors, like large vendors, their contract terms or are also geared towards that too. So it can be a little difficult to customize those contracts to smart, smaller startups. And startups need to just know that that's the case and they should come prepared saying, hey, this, obviously we're a small company at this point. We have we have these specific t terms that we've used for other hospitals that, you know, being able to name drop other hospitals that may be similar to the hospital that you're working with um, in terms of the terms that you've been using may be helpful. Um, and also, it, it, it like I said, mentioned earlier, like, these hospitals are also trying to understand a little bit better. And that's probably why the sales cycle is so long. Uh, I think the standard is 12 to 18 months, um, which is pretty long. Um, and we were able to get that, cut that in half at KidsX. And so what was difficult with going back to your question of like, what was difficult about this process was customizing it for startups because we were going off of the typical agreements, the uh, standard agreements that all these hospitals had. And then um, also finding funds to actually secure work with these startups. Hospitals typically budget before their fiscal year ends. So, so they budget for before the fiscal year ends for their following fiscal year. And departments can't really anticipate if they're planning to work with a new vendor or startup until the issue um, comes up. So it's actually best, it's what was helpful for us was that if the innovation departments made better relationships and um, started to socialize different types of solutions that they were seeing that could be useful and helpful for these particular departments, 
so they can be more aware when they are setting their budget. We ran into this issue a few times in terms of just, you know, we had the problem, we had the solution, the startup that was ready to solve it, but we just didn't have the money to pay them. We didn't have the money to man the whole uh, process. So, um, you know, there's there's always work to be done and um, we're working on it. Yeah, no, that's super interesting because I think that, um, yeah, I think a lot of startups, right, is they're like in, in just what you hear in general in sales is solve the problem, you know, solve the pain point. Um, but, you know, it's kind of multi-pronged, right? You have to solve the pay point. Um, I'm interested, too, because uh, kind of on your perspective, you know, specific to kind of the challenges in, in pediatric, especially, right? And I think that, um, you know, some of, you know, some, some of our viewers might be selling into pediatric or companies might be thinking of kind of pivoting into, into, into pediatrics. I know, you know, in the RPM space in a past life, it was, you know, it, it was, it was really hot, um, on, you know, how do we, you know, help this market? But there was a lot of, uh, you know, regulatory challenges, logistical challenges, even, you know, something as simple as building a care pathway or workflow. Well, you know, the, the adult, um, you know, even something like blood pressure for an adult and a child is, could be completely different. So um, don't know if you have any stories. I'm sure you do um, kind of speaking on some of the challenges um, of solving specific in the pediatric world. Yeah. So pediatrics make up 20% of our population. However, there's very few exits and startups that really focus specifically on pediatrics. Um, there's a lot of issues that come with it. Like, you know, kids aren't many adults. It's not, like you said, it's not the same type of solution that you may provide and curate to a different population. Like children, there's different age groups. They're in different stages of their life. Um, so it's really hard to kind of scale for them. And then um, I think it's just, it, there's not as much funding. A lot of these children's hospitals are mostly, they're, they're dependent on Medicaid dollars or CHIP dollars. Um, and it, it may be a little bit harder for startups to kind of go into the space. Um, in pediatrics, innovation is a newer term. And many administrators and clinicians are trying to learn what that means. So I've I've also encountered with a lot of the children's hospitals that we work with the different personas like I don't want the ch I don't want to change the current process types and then to the let tech rule the world kind of personas. So you have to message it and be strategic on how to pitch for each individual persona depending on like what their drivers are in order to advocate for innovation, in order to advocate for these startups to work on. And I think that there's an opportunity in pediatrics because this is our future generation. If we can solve the issues earlier on in life, maybe they, there would be less chronic conditions to manage. Maybe there would be um, more, more like they're more aware of how to like support themselves in their own healthcare journey and whatnot. So investing early can really help that early on, like any early issues that may arise and they don't have to wait later into their lifetime to figure it out and understand um, how to manage a condition, how to manage their illness, how to not be sick or anything like that. So lots of opportunities there. And um, 
in that in that life, we were really just helping and hurting uh, people into understanding like why it's needed and why we should advocate for more solutions in this space. Yeah, no, that's it's super interesting. Now, when you guys on the you know the innovation accelerator side um, kind of talk through what's typically the process, you know finding and talking to clinicians and finding a pain point and then going out to search for that? Or was it more holistically, you know, kind of finding a startup, um, you know, that, that, that looks promising kind of talk about that connection between where you were. And then you mentioned it, um, some of, some of the clinicians and, and, and people kind of on the, on the health system side. Yeah. So at KidsX, we ran our program a little bit differently because we were fortunate enough to have children's hospital decision makers and leaders and executives be a part of the conversation when we are vetting startups when we we asked them to come in um we had like a problem identification day where they came in to actually tell us what certain issues they were having in different focus areas and different realms and the specific issues that they were having so then we it it helped us understand what we should look for in the companies that we were we were going out to scout. We also even did the process of like, oh, maybe this is like an adult focused company right now, but there is a use case that it could be translated on the pediatric side too. Um, so we even you know encourage those types of startups to apply to KidsX. So after doing that whole problem identification day, uh, figuring out what the focus areas are, defining what those focus areas are. We uh, went out to use, we use different platforms and mediums to actually get in front of these startups to um, ask them to apply. And our first year we had over, I believe it was like over like 300 applications and it was great. Um, That's awesome. It, it, we were selling the fact that, hey, you're not only just joining an accelerator and we're just giving you net, like our network. We're also part of our program goal is that we wanted to help these startups actually sell to the hospitals in our consortium, um, get them in front of the right people. Cause that's half the battle is like knowing the right person. And we, that's honestly probably why we cut a lot of the time off on the sales cycle. Cause you get shipped around when you're a startup trying to pitch to one person and they're like, Oh, not me. Um, talk to somebody else and it takes like a month to schedule time with them or whatever that may be. So yeah, it, it, it was great training for everyone. No, that's, and, and who did you guys, I know it probably varied, um, but were you going straight to the source? Like when you identified, you know, some of these, some of these companies, were you kind of on the other end reaching out to, to founders or inviting them in, but how did that kind of you know communication go? And I'm, and I'm interested, do you, in your opinion, does do you think anything like this exists at the kind of health system or, or adult level? I mean, there's obviously various different things, but do you think that it, you know, that type of model could be replicated um, kind of more broadly outside of pediatrics? Yeah, I think it definitely can. Um, I've seen a few models that I can't think of on the top of my head right now that has done something very similar like this, where they have the customers, the potential buyer slash customer, um, part of the conversation and then um, also have like a middleman, which was us, where we could serve as a liaison as the 
coaches, the guides, the, the train trainer um, to the startups, along with also the hospitals too, because they would, it, it's helpful for them to understand like, what does this startup even, what are they selling? What are, is this like something that's popular right now? Is this something that would actually help like kind of be that translator for the health systems too? And then on the startup side, it was being able to find these new solutions that could break what has been broken um, in our current system. So um, communication wise, we did outbound. There was a lot of inbound too. Um, and it really took, and also keep in mind, we built this during the pandemic. So there wasn't any conferences for us to go to, but it was truly getting the people that had, you know, big voices and um, served as an ambassador, served as a mentor, served as um, somebody who can just advocate for us really went far because that gave us the recruitment vehicle that we didn't necessarily have of our small team of, I think it was like three and a half when I first started at that point. So um, yeah, being able to just build community was building community was like the biggest thing for us to make sure that our message went far. No, that's it's I'm, I'm reading a book called upstream. And to me, this is like the ultimate, um, what you just, what you just said, if we can, you know, help, help some of these chronic issues early on. Um, but it, it certainly takes, you know, a whole, you know, system wide kind of, you know, different train of thought to hopefully, you know, impact and it won't happen next year or that year. So that's a super interesting. All right. So before we focus on the exciting kind of, you know, transition, um, you know, what advice, um, I know you and I are, you know, both connected to the Advancement League and um, Antoine and Alex. Um, so what was interesting when I was out at the um, speaking at the conference is, um, you know, is the advice that you would have for somebody who's kind of in what you would call a kind of a, a health system role, whether that be, you know, a nurse or kind of a, a, a you know, traditional role. Um, what advice would you have if they were to kind of try to go to, to the, um, to the, to the startup and the accelerator side. Um, we'll start there and then I'd um, love to get your advice on um, the ultimate transition from, uh, you know, health system to, to being on your own, but we'll focus on the, the first. Yeah. Um, I, so I love and advocate for young people to get into this space because I think that it is something that is going to be part of our future and part of our, um, how health systems run and operate. Healthcare is a consumer product at the end of the day. Um, it, of course, is run by clinicians. It's, of course, run by science. It's, of course, run by experts. But the product and how people use it hasn't been the best. <laughs> and so um, I think that, like, it takes the peop young people like us to get in there, be hungry, to make an impact, and then find that fuel to do so. I think many say that they want to do it. They want to be an entrepreneur. They want to be um, a trailblazer. They want to change the world. But like, how high of a priority is it for you? Like, what are the habits or tasks that you have to do every day to go after your goals? And how are you going to make it known to the world? Um, so I truly think execution is like the best skill to have when you're a rookie, because Maybe, yeah, you don't have 20 plus years of experience. Maybe you're not a clinician. Maybe you are 
just you're you're tra- pivoting um, to this new industry or whatever that may be. But if you can execute and you can showcase that you you can execute, people start relying and trusting you. And so, at the least, I think that say what you mean. I mean, I guess that was like the advice too for startups earlier. But say what you mean and really do what you're saying you're going to do. Yeah, no, completely, completely agree. And I think that there's the thought um, as we transition to you kind of, you know, in, into your own, but there's a thought even on the startup or the accelerator that, you know, the, uh, the Silicon Valley, um, you know, to use HBO, you know, and that, that, that is, um, you know, it's a huge risk. Um, but I think that there's ways even as clinicians to kind of dip your toe in that water um, of, you know, maybe it's just, you know, working with a startup and advising on clinical workflow, right? And uh, don't quit your day job, you're still exposed to it. But I think that there's lots of different ways, especially now, um, you know, to understand and be able to see what you like outside of maybe the lens of um, your day to day, right? And I think that that's the happy medium. It's it's not having to, you know, to jump off the deep end for some, uh, but then likewise too, you know, there there's, there's opportunities and I think more than a, a lot of opportunities where um, the missing piece is, um, is, is startups that need clinician leadership, that need le- nursing leadership, um, that need operational leadership. And um, I think more and more of those opportunities are going to come um, where people um, don't have to necessarily choose, am I going to be a nurse or am I going to work for a startup? I think it's it's blending. And to me, that's the best of both worlds um, to, uh, to, to see it play out, but I've seen in a couple of different roles. Um, but I have seen the challenges, um, when you go through the MHA program, um, based on some of the feedback I saw or some other different educational programs, um, there is a little bit of a, of, of a box and not necessarily being ex- ex- exposed to that. So, um, if you are interested, even in the slightest, um, go out and network and there's lots of opportunities that I probably aren't, aren't even thinking of, you know, by the time people get out of school, but, um, to search some of those, I think is going to be good. So, um, love to talk about, um, you know, the transition and, um, I know we alluded to it earlier, but, um, you know, kind of give, give the highlight of, I guess, what you're working on now. And maybe talk uh, talk talk to all those people out there that have that that itch to uh, go out and um, be on their own. Yeah, I love your advice, Josh, about the fact that you don't necessarily need to jump like in the deep end when you're interested in something. Um, I found my passion in healthcare innovation from the experiences that I had in larger organizations and. Um, following leaders that were incredible and what they were doing and then learning from them as well. Um, But I decided to jump off the deep end um, because, you know, I felt like there was, I had strong conviction on like what the product that I wanted to build and what I wanted to do and how I wanted to change the world and impact as many people as possible. So all those things kind of lined up for me that I was like, you know what, I need to spend full time doing this, but it did take, me gaining experience to feel comfortable doing that. Um, but it's different for everyone. Everyone has a different entrepreneurial journey. Um, so yeah, a little bit of what I'm doing now. So my company Wander Health is a global healthcare connection platform focused on international travelers. So people can easily search for over-the-counter medication equivalents or visit local medical professionals with transparency and services and pricing. 
Um, I'm building this in the lens of personally being frustrated when I had to figure out how to interact with healthcare services while being in a foreign country. And I got my MHA, a whole degree in um, healthcare administration. And I had um, a lot of difficulty doing that. So I can only imagine people who may not be as familiar on how healthcare delivery works, let alone being in a, a completely new city place that you don't, it's a completely different healthcare system. It, it can be really frustrating, especially at a time where you're hurt or ill, or um, it, it, it's just like a time where you're, you're just trying to figure out like how to get care. So I'm building something that, you know, really resembles like an urgent care in your pocket and connecting you to people who are already there, who are professionally trained and have been vetted to give you the proper healthcare services that you need. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what I'm working on. That's super exciting and kudos to you. That's, that's an exciting, um, jump. And so, um, when, how, how long has it been since you kind of, you know, went, went, went full, full blown off the deep? Yeah. Three months. It's been three months. Three months. It feels like, you know, three, three years, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I was like, it's only been three months. I feel like I've done Oh, like I've, I've been working at this for a while, but three months full time. Awesome. Yeah. And then I guess, you know, some of the, some of the early you know, wins and challenges and, um, and then I guess more broadly, you know, would love um, in, in, in your mind, you know, who's, who's, who's the customer, you know, where, where are people and, and, and how can people kind of, you know, help at this time? Yeah. So who I'm really targeting well, my vision is actually to support all international travelers, getting getting them healthcare uh, that they need. And so um, I'm more focused on like those travelers who may have like more low acuity issues, who need, who have more primary care needs and urgent care needs rather than the emergency situations. Um, so I'm actually focused on people who travel often to a different country or who may be in a specific, in a different country for a longer period of time. Um, of course, there's traveler medical insurance, but for the most part, they cover emergencies rather than it being a little bit comprehensive or um, geared, again, geared towards getting you to that doctor's office or getting you to um, the medication or treatment that you need. It, it's kind of like using insurance here, uh, where the terms are vague for a reason and you don't know if you'll get reimbursed. and um, I'm really serving as like that concierge portion of it and also like a self-service platform that can help people get to where they need to be to be healthier and continue on their travels. Um, so, yeah, it's it's great because like both industries, healthcare and travel are trillion dollar ind- industries and there's not a lot of innovation in the space. So I'm excited to build something new to shake things up. Well, yeah, and it's perfect, perfect timing because I think that obviously kind of the intersection with people being more comfortable with, um, call it more digital tools in healthcare, but then also to, um, more and more people are, are itching to travel and or travel is kind of opening back up. So, um, it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, that, that, that all play out. Um, that's really exciting. Well, listen, I appreciate you being on. Where can people find you? Where can people find information on Wander Health and then um, anything else that you have um, in terms in terms of advice? 
Yeah. Um, so I have my own personal blog and also you can follow me on LinkedIn. I'm Dana Lay, MHA on LinkedIn. Um, and then on my own personal blog, it's at layhealthinnovation.com. And I talk about stories about being a millennial and just a young entrepreneur in health tech. So uh, follow along and I hope I can be helpful. And um, yeah, thanks so much, Josh, for having me on here. No, it's, it's, it's super interesting. And I'll make sure that we have all the links um, and appreciate you uh, being a guest. And I think that all of what you shared around innovation, accelerator, but then also to some of the um, the challenges in the pediatric, um, you know, really resonate because I think um, it's a much needed um, you know, space for innovation. Um, but some people don't even know where to start uh, when they're trying to innovate in that space. So appreciate it and um, look forward to following the success, you know, three, six, nine months from now. And um, as a um, just this year, Texas uh, football fan, um, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm excited for next year and it's on my bucket list to, to go to a game. So we'll, we'll, we'll see once the fall rolls around, once, once there's a Manning, I guess there is a Manning on campus. <clears throat> and so yeah. excited to, uh, to see that. Yeah. You have to go to one of the football games. It's like a religion down there in Texas football in general, but at UT it's, it's incredible. So, um, yeah, well, thank you so much, Josh. I appreciate you. Thank you.